Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Welcome to Three Dogs North. Beep, 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 beep. What's up, guys? Now that we've spent the first uh, 45 minutes scheduling our next podcast, mm. a little peek behind the curtain. Yep. I know. Guys, what are I, we going to do? I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to take off on a vacation. That rocks, man. I'm, I'm pretty psyched. Is it in Idaho? Yeah, destination is Idaho. Well, let's give the fans... Uh, we're going on, on a hiatus because of scheduling and vacation. Well, basically, it's Mike's fault because of the Army. Well, hey, hey, hey. That's sort of true. me wrong. I guess. Well, you're going to be gone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I am going to be gone for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're never free any mornings ever again. I know the morning. Hot yoga every morning. Is that- it's tough. Hey, hot yoga is very difficult. <laughs> and I'm becoming extremely limber. <laughs> I haven't felt this good ever. <laughs> Look, we do it in the sauna. That's why we, we got the new mm. gym memberships. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweat it out, but we're gonna figure it out. I'm I'm confident of of that. We're gonna get it, but we're yeah. off for like we're off for a month, which should Basically be okay. A month, yeah, yeah. You know what? I was not planning. Well, I guess I had in the back of my head of one of the things we could talk about uh, tonight on that, but I was reminded here. I'm watching right now. I've done. Um, it's a long movie. And so I've done it like a couple times at lunch, watched half an hour of it, and I'll probably sit down and knock it out in the next few days. But on Netflix right now is Forrest Gump. Hmm. And that is an exceptionally good movie. Like such a good movie. And it's just, um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many ways, there's so many things like you could say about that movie, but there's just something about like... I don't know how he sees like the world and like how he obviously the, the character that's portrayed in in the movie um but in just like his humility and like it's like gullible but just like he just like takes people at their word and like kind of mm-hmm. sees the world literally um I don't know if that's the exact right term for it but I have found that the effective movement which is subjective in me so far in watching it is like that's like the in a way that's like the spiritual eyes that i want to see the world with of Mm -hmm. like oh man like i'm bummed that we can't podcast for a month and then like it's going to be really like clearly it's going to be tricky like figuring out our next kind of routine now that we're in like this new assignment and everything like that but like it's it just there there is an invitation to say there that's one example of many things that are going on right now in my life of like there's it's one invitation to say there of like oh yeah like 
of course God is like willingness. And so that's like, it's both what it is and it's like reality. So it's good there. Hmm. Yeah, man. The evangelization and culture journal, the word on fire puts out. Do you guys get that ever? I used to, I don't, I don't think I'm in the Institute anymore, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So my dad is, and he wasn't reading his copy this month. So I, I took it and I've been reading like an article every day at breakfast and it's all on childhood, which I thought was a really interesting theme. Uh, DMAC wrote a great article on art, the art of childhood, basically mm -hmm. like from the beginning of Christendom and, <coughs> and stuff like the portrayal of, of the ideals of, of childhood. Like what we were talking about with Forrest Gump, I made me think of that. It was like the innocence. There's a naivete in his innocence. Um, but like what we kind of aspire to as adults is a, as a return to the child, like wonder. And what I, what I mean by innocence is like what you're saying, responsiveness to reality. Like if it's sad, you're sad. If it's happy, you're happy. You're not duplicitous. You're not like trying to pretend that your subjective reaction is one thing because you want people to perceive you as this kind of, you know, you're just who you are is who you are. And that's the charm of children is they can't hide. Um, and they don't understand people who are trying to hide or trick or lie. Um, cause they just, they just take for granted that everybody's saying what's on their heart. Um, but there was, uh, the one I just read tonight actually during, while I was eating dinner, um, was about the story, the secret garden. Have you ever heard, have you ever read that? Oh yeah, dude, it's so good. Oh, have you, maybe you've talked about this on the podcast. I think I did a, a long time ago. Maybe refresh like the listeners. Cause I definitely remember that. So, yeah. well, okay. So this is my <laughs> summary of the, of the article writers summary of the book, which nice. I just read like an hour ago. And Meta. Uh, wait, the book or the article summary? I read the, the article. Summary? I read the book. I read the back of the book basically. So here's my summary. Who, who wrote the article? can't remember. Not important. Not, Not important. important. <laughs> All the articles, every article in there is good. There's also a, there's also an article on a Coventry Patmore poem called The Toys that oh, uh, wow. I think Megan will really like. You'll have to look that up and reference that, Megan. But, I haven't uh, heard of Coventry Patmore. Scott used to love him. I, right. Yeah, I was thinking I, I had, I, I remember really, somebody in seminary. Yeah, him. I like him a lot. I haven't read him in years. Anyway. Yeah, the, the, uh, the poem The Toys was really good. So Secret Garden, it's a little girl who I think her parents die in a cholera epidemic and but had been kind of like self-absorbed, inattentive parents and like let her basically do run her own life. She's taken care of by a maid or something like that. So she was a little tyrant and bad child, spoiled. And then when she is orphaned, she moves back to England and there lives with like a widower uncle who is also inattentive and absorbed in his own grief. So it's just a story of like children that are not parented, basically not pursued, not loved, not cared for um, or cherished or anything. And they, and she then like discovers actually, I don't know if it's the groundskeeper or the wife of the groundskeeper or something like that, but a woman who is sort of a mother figure takes her in and um, starts to care for her and get her outside and stuff. And, out of her own like little petty tyrant ways. And she starts to like awaken to wonder and beauty. It's sort of like a return to childhood in an actual child. 
And then there's also this other kid who is sort of an invalid. He doesn't go outside. He never, he, I think he might be in a wheelchair or something. Mm-hmm. And um, his mother died shortly after he was born from uh, some hemorrhage where she had fallen down in this garden. So the, the symbolism is obvious of the, the woman falling in the garden and the, the sickness um, being passed on to the child and just this like ennui, this boredom, selfishness, like a lack of life and luster. And the two children sort of like rediscover through these figures who kind of parent them anew and even draw their parent figures into like a new relationship with the children as the children kind of awaken to joy. Um, so it was just a really beautiful summary of this, of the story. But um, the thing that really struck me was that there's this w- woman figure in the background the whole time who you find out later, I guess is, this is a spoiler alert, but um, is like running the whole thing. <laughs> I, it was spoiled for me like an hour ago when I read this article. I didn't know the story. <laughs> I just forgot about the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, she died. Spoiler alert, she died. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> All one word, spoiler alert, she dies. <laughs> Don't say spoiler alert after you've spoiled it. Okay. <laughs> but she is um, just talked about by the other figures who kind of like help, help them. Um, and they start, they not only like start to wonder and and love beauty but then they start like loving other people and having affection mm-hmm. for things and for animals and flowers and stuff they're just like the world ceases to be this place where they just like have a tantrum and get what they want to like being a place where you cherish it and take care of it and hold it gently and love other people and they start loving each other and um, encouraging each other and this woman um is like the mother of these other two that they always talk about. And they're like, I want to meet Susan someday or something like that. And finally she comes in to the picture and um, the little boy who now can walk and run after being stuck in this wheelchair. Cause he's just been stuck inside. And now he's got this new energy, new fervor. He runs it to her and like wraps himself in her blue garment. And um, she just like embraces him and has this warmth and, and he says something like that. She quoted it in the article, like, you're what I always wanted <laughs> or something like that. Um, like this mother is what he always wanted. And like her wanting him. Uh, and she she like tells his his father who lost his mother, you know, in childbirth, basically like to come back and to renew his relationship. And now this kid's awakening then like allows the father to kind of get into the whole garden thing. And the garden imagery is like where the tragedy happened, but it's also now the place of rebirth. And, um, but it's like this childlike wonder that I think when you see Forrest Gump take people at their word or, or, um, yeah, like in that story, that's been really on my heart lately is like a desire for renewed innocence. That's not, um, that's not like infantilized, you know, that's not, uh, imprisoned by, you know, like children can be very selfish. Children are self-absorbed. They don't like think of others first, but there's this wonder that I, that I want that like, I remember as a child sort of being ashamed of like wanting to be corrupted because I saw the others around me corrupted and like longing to be in on the whole joke. And then once you're like part of the irony of it all, like orbiting reality and not responsive to it, but like standing in the outskirts, like looking what everybody else thinks and trying to jockey yourself 
next to the people that agree with you or you want to be a part of their group or instead of just like children playing, mm. you know, and doing what they want. That's what Did, I think heaven is like. <clears throat> yeah. I, how, how have we not talked about Forrest Gump before? That's an unbelievably good movie. I, I oh man, this is, I'm fresh in it. You, you could, I think it is, you could make an argument. It's the best movie ever made. Like it's the most complete movie ever made. Wow. It's so, it's so good. Do you really think it's the best movie ever made? I don't know, man. I'm. (laughs) Connor, did you just say guys? Guys. (laughs) It's not my favorite. I I will say it's not my favorite movie. When was the last time you saw it? Long time ago. No, it's probably not the best movie ever. I, I don't know that I would say that. It's so good. It's it's, it's a so very, very charming. It's a very charming. Yeah, movie. yeah. That's it's, it's not. Watch. Yeah, I would I would probably rescind that. But it's very good. I okay. <clears throat> well, sorry, Rob. You were gonna go. Um, dude, I'm looking uh, at the lines and I'm super loud. Your 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 waves yeah. are giant. Waves They're tsunamis, dude. Do they sound loud in your ears? Nope. Okay, I turned it down just a little bit. Yeah, you sound the same. Um. Did you have anything else, Mike? I'm trying to. I'm tracking back. I think. Yeah. I got one. Yeah. No, I do. I I have a bunch of thoughts actually. Um, did, did I ever tell y'all the story of the little girl making fun of my braces? Back of my head braces. No, but please tell it now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was savage. <laughs> there was a like a little playground. I love her. Oh, she was. Uh, there's a, like a playground in between the the rectory where I used to live and the parish where I would go to, to work. And so when I would go down for the day to go into the office, all the little like pre-Kers. So they're like three, four, just just perfect, fun, um, just running around, just enjoying life, enjoying creation, like really living into, into the responsiveness of reality right in front of them, you know, because well, for a lot of different reasons. And I always walk by and I'm this giant dude and I, they just know me as the priest. So like it's me and be like, oh, there's there's the church or there's Jesus and like all these just super sweet things. And so I always come over. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Whoa, like this big gangly dude. <laughs> and, you know, they have like the fence around the playground and I had braces and they were like transparent. They, they kind of like clear see-through ones but you could definitely see them yeah it just looked like that's why are your lips like that yeah yeah so i i bend down and i'm like hey what's going on guys uh how are you nice to see you guys like what are y'all up to today and a girl just looks at me and points and she's like oh what's on your teeth and i'm like (laughs) oh i know it's silly i have i have braces you know like my teeth are the, the doctors say I, I need to wear these to straighten out my teeth. And so like, what Otherwise, are you guys up to? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even though they're sl- <laughs> slowly killing me. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah. Th- so I had their braces. Well, what, what about you guys? And I try to change the subject. What's going on with y'all? And they're like, oh, da, da, da. and she goes, no, like there's something on your teeth. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. You know, it's like, ah, they're braces, you cute kid. (laughs) So what about you guys? What's going on? I'm like talking to them and she goes, no, your teeth are yellow. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 stop it. (laughs) I'm never talking to you again. (laughs) But it was just like, 
she was just seeing it and there was no filter of like, should I say this? Is this the right thing to say? It was just an immediate response to what was being presented in front of her, which is like, this guy has yellow teeth. And as like, I was just dying laughing. It was just the funniest thing of all time. She's just burning me mm-hmm. to my face, yeah. but she like doesn't even realize it, you know? She's trying to so, help you out. She's just saying what she sees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, you got something in between your teeth, except it's all over all of your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yellow. It's, uh, you're so, so cute. Uh. Speaking um, of teeth and and uh, and whatnot, my nephew, who is now 19 or 20, got his wisdom teeth out last week. And my brother was up here uh, visiting with my dad and my mom and stuff. And uh, so his wife sent him the video she took of him waking up from anesthesia. Oh, yeah. And it was hilarious, dude. Do you remember David at the dentist in the backseat of the car? Beginning of YouTube. <laughs> it's this Is this going to be, be forever? forever? It was very similar to that, but a 20-year-old guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got, he's got the black, like, strap for the ice packs, you know, like oh, it's classic cartoon toothache oh, look. <laughs> you know, like this cushion holding his head like this. He's got packed with gauze. And he's like, when, is it, when are they going to do the surgery? Like, <laughs> goes, it's done. He goes, what? They didn't go in my mouth. She's like, yeah, they did. He goes, no. Are you joking with me? They did the blood pressure on this arm, blood pressure on this arm, then they did the IV on this arm, and then... No, I swear they never went in my mouth. She goes, they did it after you went to sleep. He goes, what? <laughs> now I'm second guessing myself. It was what? like the funniest thing because you could tell how the video started. She was definitely just like acting like she was just shifting her phone on the table a little bit. And then she just put it in. They didn't know he was being filmed. But I don't think it was mean because I would be glad to have that video later. I yeah. would be totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. Him saying, I don't think they went into my mouth with like <laughs> with basically the- <laughs> a giant neon sign saying, I just had mouth surgery. <laughs> I don't, mm, I don't think so. No, that's no, part of my that. recollection. That never happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, so here's the deal. This is, this is what I think with, uh, with Forrest Gump, he's, he's absolutely lovable and, um, like very, very attractive because, I think he's both vulnerable. He's both um, like unveiled and good. So I've, mm-hmm. I've thought about this a bunch is um, I've always had respect for people from like New York and Boston. Who they're like, yeah, you just, they just give it to you the way that right. How that, however they think they just let it out. There's no filter. And people are like, yeah, you respect them. It's like, how come everybody that he talks to is like this unfiltered guy? Total truth. Everybody feels terrible after they talk to them. You know, it's like they're just savage and they'll rip you apart. And I think it's because there's a, so the children have no veil and what you see is that they're good. There's like a beautiful goodness to them. But if you just have no veil without the the goodness that's present within interiorly, then it actually it's kind of quasi ugly, which is like the truth and the love portion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why it's so hard to be unveiled is because 
if I unveil myself, then I actually have to confront what's going on in my heart. And if that's not healed and made whole, then there's actually like, there's a lot of stuff that will come out. So it's a constant process of sifting through the good and the bad so that I know what to present into the world and know what to receive from the world instead of just having the freedom without duplicity to live in truth and love because there's, there's just goodness that's there. And so like Forrest Gump is a good example of it. And I've also thought about it in, I got to read Dostoevsky's The Idiot and it's a very similar premise. People think he's dumb. People, people, that's why he's the idiot, but he's just totally good and totally true. And the way that he interacts with everybody is totally disarming and like really beautiful. People fall in love with this guy, even though nobody wants to admit it because he's this weird outcast. He sees the world differently than everybody else. And everybody's in this cynical circle where they're outside of reality looking in. Judging it. But he is actually in reality and is good in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he's one of the most interesting literary literary figures I've ever I've ever read. He's utterly delightful, and I think Dostoevsky's a genius to write him. Like I don't know how he did it, but but he's both good and true. And like a part of why you can just say, you know, like it makes me sad, and that's okay. Is like there's an honesty to it and an openness, but also like you've let the Lord come in and done a lot of work in your heart. So it's like, I'm okay with being open and honest and huh. vulnerable because like the Lord has come in and done good things in my heart and that's okay. Right. Hmm. I guess I would say to add on to this, like part of when I reflect on my own desire for innocence and childlikeness you know like that that picture of the of the kid going up to that old woman who is like the mother he always knew he wanted um there's something about the unveiledness or the 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 simplicity of a child that makes them also very vulnerable because there is um all of us there's ambiguity you know none of us are actually like the idiot or forrest gump they're they're like literary devices they're not people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is one of the reasons i I don't like watch that movie over and over again and find new meaning from it because it's kind of it's it's pretty simplistic but it's it's a clever device because it does expose all the people that kind of orbit him in his life or kind of run into him um like what's important to them it's relativized because of his simplicity like he just loves he just carries his friend out of out of the war you know he just um gets a shrimp boat. He just like does what he says he's going to do, um, which is cool. But my own childhood, like I think back on it and being a child is very vulnerable because you can't really hide, you know, um, and you're really sensitive to when people see you and reject you. Mm-hmm. You haven't hardened yet um, to those things and just and like you know, as we grow older, we just get, we, we make up reasons like the world sucks or, um, I'm actually good at this and I'm misunderstood and blah, blah, blah. And, um, as a child, you just want to, you just want to play. You just want to be part of things and, um, not really think about yourself very much. And then the moment you start, like that makes you really vulnerable because then if somebody abuses you or even just neglects you and you feel like you're not loved, 
or you're not actually good, you, it's very tempting to agree with that because there's lots of evidence for it, you know? Um, and because it, evil kind of begets evil. Like once you, once you fall into that self-consciousness, you, you do things that make you more ashamed. Like the more you realize that you're acting out of this malice and this desire to be seen for, you know, something that you're not, or, or put other people down because you feel insecure or whatever. Um, then you have all this, like this cycle going. And so you have to be loved out of it. You know, it's not like, um, I, yeah, I don't know if Forrest Gump can save because it's like, is he all, does all he do like expose us and our, our corruption. Um, but the thing about Mary or this, you know, this mother figure in the secret garden is that she just comes to you and you're into your, in your corruption and your, your need for love and your pursuit of it in misguided and undisciplined ways. Um, do you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. So it's scary to be a child. It's like scary to be childlike. Um, yeah. And I've written again, this book on the Beatitudes I mentioned last time that Mal class sent me and you Rob, um, mm -hmm. it, she quotes, the uh, Matthew 11, I think it's take my yoke upon me and um, upon you and learn from me for I'm meek and humble of heart that she points this out in the gospels that there, it's the only time Jesus ever says, learn from me. Hmm. Like I'm going to teach you something. He, there's a lot of times he teaches and he preaches and tells parables and stuff, but he's like, learn this from me, from how I live, be meek and humble of heart, you know, take my yoke upon you. Hmm. That meekness, that humility, um, and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Um, I had this image, I kind of preached about it on Sunday of like Jesus walking with, with me and my friends as children, you know, like up this path to heaven and that joy is the, these places of rest. Like C.S. Lewis is surprised by joy. He talks about these experiences he had as a child of like just feeling joy and he didn't know what it was, but it was like, the best feeling ever and he just wanted to stay in it and he the more he grasped at it the more it just evaporated um and what he discovered later in life after learning the gospels that there are signposts posts on the way to heaven that joy is actually god or joy is a byproduct of having god or being in communion with him not the other way around i did like i get god so i can get joy it's the other way around like i get joy because i have god and that this path that he's walking us on like the more simple we are, the more meek and humble and obedient we are, the more fun it is. And the more like you can say like, yeah, we're not going to podcast for a month. That sucks. But whatever, like I'm, the podcast is just a signpost post on the way to heaven. You know, it's like a joy that we get to be together and we get to be friends and we get to be priests. And like it allows you to kind of rest in reality and actually enjoy it, but not have to possess it. Mm -hmm. Um This, the podcast is absolutely a signpost of heaven. It's this, probably the only thing on the internet that's like authentically that. <laughs> this is an, <clears throat> an eschatological, this is an eschatological sign. <laughs> we point to the eschaton. <laughs> and we bring it about quicker. <clears throat> yeah. Man, I'm, I'm thinking about a couple couple things um 
Yeah, th- that perception of reality. Um, I don't know if either of these will fit exactly. Just m- mulling them over. But thinking back on um, w- when I was down, uh, staying with the buddy from uh, from Wichita, Father Isaac, a few few weeks ago, and um, I think the guys that know the people that know Isaac, like one of the attractive things about him is like he lives a an undivided an undivided life. Um, in at least compared to a lot of people that that you're around um and anyway but i've noticed one of the fun things about being around him is that he he like notices unique details that like are kind of unique to being with him so like i this is a silly example but the evening we were camping um he found a couple like really cool old fishing weights that were like in the dirt somewhere and he just like gave him to me. I had my tackle box there. And we saw a turtle laying eggs. Um, wow. Yeah, cool. super cool. Um, and I think like because of him living an undivided life in a lot of ways, he's just very good at noticing details. But I've like thought about that um, since then. And yeah, it, like... It's a good question that you ask. I caught it at least of like this Forrest Gump like save. I think is how you ask ask that. And the, I mean, the clear answer to that is no. And like that's also like just perceiving reality, just living in it. Like that also doesn't save. Like that's not enough at the end of the day. Even even with like immense beauty around you. Um, I don't know. It just it like I I get to that. It's r- rambled in in a way, but uh. Like, I'm just pondering the question, like, why is it so dang hard to be vulnerable? Like, mm-hmm. I guess that's what, like, that's what's sticking with, with me of, um, it's just so, so hard, like to be, to be actually vulnerable, uh, mm-hmm. with anybody. And I don't know, it's a hard question to answer. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in a homily, but this this thing I saw in a park really struck me deeply. It wasn't at, not at the time, but later on praying with it, it just came up in my mind um, that I think gets to this question. So I sometimes I'll walk it in the evenings, pray the rosary, and there's this park in the neighborhood that I like to go to. It's just got a little track you walk around and um, big field in the middle. And I walked up and heard this kid crying and it was probably like a three-year-old boy and I, I saw him crying and screaming as probably his sister and her friend rode away on those little scooters and like every kid has these three-wheeled scooters right now that have light up wheels maybe your nieces and nephews have them rob but everybody in the city here all the kids have these scooters and they like really little kids can kind of cruise on them and these girls were probably five or six a little bit older than the boy were like scooting away um, and you could just tell like he was small. He didn't have a scooter. They were scooting away. At least that's the story I told myself. And he was just feeling left out. Then he was also like on the other side, he'd obviously pursued them like all the way around this tracks so that he was really far from the adults and the other kids with the, like the mothers. And, um, he just like starts his little way across the field back to the moms. And they're like living their own life and talking to each other and kind of unaware that this whole drama is going on over here. I just kind of stumbled on it. And he just like stops crying because like everybody's gone and it's just him. 
Um, and I actually noticed this couple walking around the, around the track. And this actually made me even more sad because they were like this college couple and this boy, this college boy turns to him and goes, Oh, he's so cute. Like trying to flirt with her. Like I'm a nice guy. And like, <laughs> meanwhile, like I was just feeling this, the weight of this kid's experience and just thinking about, I mean, like she's only three. So how deep can you experience something? But I know experiences that I've had from way back then that still affect me to today. And your question about why is it so hard to be vulnerable? I just thought about like, you know, as a kid, you're really sensitive to this stuff. And maybe some kids aren't. And I know that I always kind of envied the kids that were my age that didn't seem as sensitive um, or afraid or as picky of an eater or like little, little things that I just didn't like about myself that made me more vulnerable. Um, and I'm even like vulnerable to the sun. Like if I'm out in the sun for five minutes, I sunburn I'm like powder, dude. Maybe I'm like a, like a, uh, what do you call that? An empath? Except I'm not, I was not a nice kid. So I'm not an empath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't powder an empath? He like touched the deer that was dying and then touched the hunter and made him feel what the deer was feeling. Do you ever see that movie? No. I don't know what you're <laughs> It's no. the greatest movie ever made. Um, <laughs> okay. You can rescind that. It's okay. It's okay. It. It's okay to, it. it's okay to make it. mistakes. All right. Yeah. You can be vulnerable on this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, I just, I prayed about it the next day or the day after or something like that. And just imagine just being in this open field and nobody's like looking for you. You know, you've, you kind of have this little heartbreak and it's pretty inconsequential like in terms of the world it's not like nobody really cares it's like get over it you don't have a scooter whatever but like just the feeling of loneliness and like your desires just like being being alone with your desires that are so big and you think it's the scooter you want or whatever you want you know like and what that causes the human heart to just like latch onto something and just be like this is what i need and i'm gonna go get it come hell or high water or Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna let this kind of thing happen to me again because i've felt so ugly um and that it's it's a mystery dude but like we are just sensitive to that that reality of like not being in community not belonging not being seen or loved and it's really hard to once that once you've been burned to open back up again and like trust that god actually is in that field with you and that you were never not seen and that you never didn't have what you needed or wanted do you know what i mean yeah um But that's why that kid, like latching onto that woman, being like, you're what I always wanted. Like, it's so sweet to say, like, yeah. you know, I didn't want a garden. I didn't want a scooter. I didn't want a big house. I wanted you. A yeah. Mom, you know? I, I think that's why it's so. Well, parents. Like. You can't avoid the tragedy of life, but. I mean, I guess particularly in this case, in this story and in the book um, and like actual science and research, which I don't know, but I've read summaries of science and research that say this (laughs) is and I think it's uh, done a fair amount of research. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to a talk by a psychologist that talks about I'll send you the video. It's two and a half hours. It's an attachment theory. And so it's when when kiddos experience difficulty mm. or they can't emotionally soothe themselves or they feel out of out of balance, there's a, a, a loss of equilibrium. 
that the parent is meant to come come to them and to essentially say it's okay um and so that it helps to regulate how the child deals with difficulty and the suffering which which is cool because that means it's not actually about the scooter but even the loss of the scooter is now a place where the parent can come in and say no what's really important is even without the scooter i still love you like i'm still here for you we can still have a good time without it whatever and then little by little, as the child develops, they're capable of doing that on their own because the love of the parent, their face has been ingrained with them in them more and more and more. So then we get less deregulated, destabilized by difficulties. And it's actually just it's because the parent is there with them. But that's mm. but so that's like an image of the father and of of mom, of Mama Mary. Like that's all that parents do is they just mediate the way that God loves us to greater or lesser degrees of success, I guess. Um, And so like what that kiddo really wants is exactly like what you're saying in the story. This is what I've always wanted is even if I don't get the thing that I want, like you're there with me, then that's what I've always wanted. And there's something like, but how often that doesn't happen, you know? And that's just, that's the reality of life. And, you know, I hope parents don't listen to this and feel like, oh my gosh, this is a huge responsibility. And I do feel well, it bad is. for, it is a huge, huge responsibility. But it's like, what a gift to be able to. So the, the positive story I have on this um, from a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine, college roommate, uh, PJ came to visit and him and his family were just coming through from a road trip and, down in Tennessee for like a family vacation and just happened to be coming through Chicago on a Sunday. So he, he texted me. I, haven't, I we realized we hadn't seen each other in four years because it was, I was at my last parish when we last hung out, me and his wife, or me, him and his wife. And he brought their three kids, um, one boy and two girls. So they're like five, three and two or something like that. Five, four and two. And the little mid- middle girl, Marianne, is the troublemaker. And like, right when we, when she, when they got there, it was clear, like, she's the one with the mind of her own. The other kids are just like, Oh, we're going into the church now. And she's like, I'm not. And like, um, just going to be a little bit of an issue. And, and Dana, the mom is like, she's got, you know, she's a little bit of a troublemaker, but she's nice. <laughs> and like the way that they parented them was so beautiful. Cause they were all, all these children are so d- distinct, even at that super germinal stage, you could tell their personalities already. And their way of relating and their way of their manifesting their needs and their desires. And at one point, like they'd been in the car for hours. Then they went to mass. Then they were like hungry and waiting for the grownups to be done catching up. And they were like sweetly playing hide and seek with each other. And at some point, Marianne like pushed over little Margie and Margie was crying. And Dana went over to go coddle or to, uh, you know, comfort Margie. And Marianne, who should be in trouble right now because she's misbehaving, just runs up to PJ. Me and PJ are talking and she just reaches up and goes, hold me, hold me. (laughs) And like the most, she said it in a little girl's high pitched voice, but like that intent and that aggressive, (laughs) just like I demand to be held immediately. And he just like laughed and picked her up and like stroked her hair and, um, and held her. And I was just like, that's it. That's dude. That's me. That's all of us. When we misbehave, when we sin, when we act out, when we're orbiting reality instead of living in it, we're just like, I'm not being 
I don't get, I'm not getting what I want right now. And the world is an unfriendly place and I'm in attack mode, fight or flight or whatever. And like, I just need to be held, which, you know, if I were listening to this as a college kid, I'd be like, lame, you know, no, I need an adventure. I need whatever, you know, but like, you can't go on the adventure. You can't be brave. You can't go out and like fight dragons if you don't have a mom and a dad who, you know, like love you and are there and this home, you know? Um, so just seeing that in, in microcosm, that, that to me was like the encouragement on the other side that like, it's very mm -hmm. simple actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just in those moments, not thinking that this four-year-old is dealing with an, like adult equipment emotionally. Like they are just, like you say, unveiled or completely like stripped and limbic. They're reacting. They're hungry. They're tired. They're mad. And like, but they're also vulnerable to like, if they come to you and say, hold me. And you're like, behave yourself. We, you know, and are mad that they're upset instead of just like, come to me. Like I can handle it. Um, you know, how healing it is to just do the, the other way. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Is it a well, good spot? That's a good spot. I think that's All gonna right, be see ya. That's going to be my prayer for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> if you walk by the chapel... At All American Chapel, do you see a grown man just yelling? <laughs> <laughs> There's some great scenes of prayer in the movie The Apostle with Robert Duvall. At the beginning of the movie, he is screaming at God. Hmm. Um, hmm. That's a that's a crazy movie. Talk about duplicity. Hmm. Makes me all right. Good good stuff. I'm well, intrigued. hey dudes, I'm gonna miss you guys. Me too. Yeah. It's gonna be years. Is it years? Yeah, it'll be well fractions of a year, like a twelve, but roughly a twelfth of a year. Still years. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's yeah, we're, it's going to be a twelfth of a year, man. Dang, that's a long time. <sighs> All right, later, skaters. See you. Follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.